Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvelous nerds. We are the Marvel Mythos Podcast. This is Infinity Crusade. We're going to be talking Infinity Crusade 1 through 6. I am your host, Brian Barley. You can find me on Instagram at Marvel underscore Mythos and on Twitter at Marvel Mythos Pod. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Liz Sparks. Howdy, folks. Where can they find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at SparkyBoyFan. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and get started because these are double-sized issues and they last forever. In issue one, Warlock senses something is off. He uses the Eternal Orb to communicate with Eternity. Eternity tells him he felt a cosmic change coming, but it didn't have any repercussions for himself, so he ignored it. As soon as he leaves the conversation, a mystery woman appears. She says Warlock can call her the goddess. It triggers Warlock to think about how Magus referred to himself similarly. She then traps him in the Eternal Orb. Later, we learn she has scoured different dimensions collecting cosmic containment units. They are tools used to realize the Supreme One's will and changes her form into a new being, the Redemptress. She then goes on a quest to recruit all the spiritual heroes and the ones who return from death to join her in a crusade to fight against the ultimate evil. Of those left, Vision figures out the connection and tells the remaining Avengers, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and others. Out of nowhere, Reed Richards vanishes in front of Human Torch and the thing. Ending the issue, the Redemptress uh, creates a paradise and a cathedral for herself and her followers. So I want to get this out of the way up front. There's probably going to be a lot of negative talk about these, at least from my end, especially the first three issues. I don't know how you feel. The same. Yeah. I feel like it gets a little better in the back half than it did in the front. But the the front nine, so to speak, was rough. This one included. I'm not... The setup was okay. There's a lot going on. But it wasn't anything that was gripping to me. Uh, I took the time to read the Warlock and the Infinity Watch issues that happened between... And what was the last one? Infinity War? Yeah. Yeah. The one between that and then... And now... um, and those issues are really good, guys. You should go read those. I recommend them. And the stuff makes a lot more sense, I think, with some of those. Uh, but as a standalone, yeah, no. Yeah. So can you can you give a little detail on that? Um, I did take some background stuff just in case uh, we had questions. So that Infinity Orb thing, it came from Eternity. So at the end of Infinity War, Adam Warlock absorbs Magus or Magus, whatever we ended up calling him. I don't remember now. Yeah. And he goes into a coma. Um, and for several issues after that, he's in, he remains in the coma until eternity comes to him in his mind and forces him to confront his past. So it's like visualized as like him when he was he and was just um, kind of like doing whatever he wanted. And then it was like emo boy where he was telling himself he had to die to save a planet. And then it was him as Maeus. Oh. And they like fought each other in his head until they were absorbed forcefully into his body. And then he woke up. <laughs> okay. <All laughs> and right. there was some sort of like Oracle from eternity about like, you will meet someone who does this and this. And I meant to write it down and I did not do that. That's so, okay. That's yeah. okay. So what are your general thoughts on this particular issue? Because to me, it was, it was interesting seeing some of the dynamics that they were using with religious themes at this juncture. I might, Later, we'll get into it about how I feel the overall portrayal of religion throughout this. But at, at least at this point, as reading it, I thought some of the choices were interesting about like how how the Redemptress actually appealed to some of them, like uh, Storm with the Ankh, I think it is, and then uh, the symbol for, I think was it um, was it Hercules was the lightning bolt for like the yeah, yeah. Um, for the Greek gods, and then uh, but. And then even seeing Living Lightning, she appeals to him with a cross. We'll talk a little bit more <laughs> about that part later. But seeing that, I was at least engaged and thought, okay, this is interesting. We're seeing a story that's combining all religion. So I wonder how this is going to go. So I was at least engaged in that in that aspect. Was What were your thoughts on that or on the issue itself? Yeah, no, I thought it was interesting with that. It felt very, you know, I was raised with... Christianity that talked about the rapture and revelation, and it felt very close to that with just like all of the good people are being swept away. And I had at least hopes that it would be a good storyline. There would be some ultimate goal she had that maybe would be a little more gray than black and white, but 
Yeah. yeah. The, at this point, we're just learning that she has a crusade that she's setting out on, which I don't remember if we learn in this issue or the next one, but that the idea is to banish evil from the universe. Yeah. Yeah. No, between this and our maximum carnage issues we read, I felt like I was back in church. So, <laughs> <laughs> but two different sides. Yeah. Yeah. One portraying one way and one portraying another. So one thing that I thought was visually cool was uh, when Warlock is inside of the orb and then honestly all that stuff with him in eternity was fantastic to look at. I love the fact that they use just a blank white page for the background. So all that you see are the characters to, to signify what's going on or what it's like. But I also thought it was awesome when Pip is looking for Warlock and he opens the door and all you see is the orb and he's like, oh, the room's gone. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's like it literally is gone. Uh, but I, I thought that was an interesting take. I liked that with Pip. Pip was one of my favorite parts of this series. Yes. He's very entertaining. The whole play of just how these characters change the farther and farther they get into this new religion is very interesting. How do you mean? Sort of how you know they turn on all their loved ones immediately, and <laughs> it's always up in the air, like, is she really mind-controlling them? Like, really? Or are they just following this because this is really what they believe? Seeing some of them almost wake up, in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them do, sort of. Yeah, Silver Surfer does yeah. storm even to an extent. Yeah. Uh, when when U.S. Agent is hurting one of her friends, she kind of makes the point like, this is a little too much. Uh, you've already beat him. We don't need to keep going. What other what other thoughts on this first issue? Um, also, <laughs> I like the parts where uh, after the people had been caught away, they're like, I believe in God. Uh, why didn't I get picked? <laughs> <laughs> like no well, only the best of us got chosen well clearly they don't really believe in god if they didn't get picked i mean that's kind of the way that i that i took that or maybe they were just like hey we want to keep this person free uh other things to note of this is mephisto is kind of spying on everything oh that's right mephisto does creep into this one yeah he's he's barely in this one but he's in this one like i said i was intrigued by where this might go it's also very creepy to think about how she, the Redemptress, was just visible to the ones that believed, and yeah. the rest didn't know what was going on, and she was appealing to them and telling them what she was going to do, and so she recruits them and teleports them all away, mm-hmm. and just seeing the reactions from the friends was pretty, pretty. Uh, I don't know, I was into that. I, I think some of the shots are beautiful. So um, Lim does a, a great job with the pencils on this and Al um, is it Milgram, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. on the ink. Yeah. So they, they do wonders with the setup that they have and the way that they just do the backgrounds and the stars and the containment units and everything. But other than that, I don't really have any highlights from this episode or issue. Yeah, me neither. There was, <laughs> there was one part. Eternity was trying to warn us because he said something about like... Uh, this will be another supposedly major storyline with no real consequence. And oh. he was all like, yeah, it's not going to really affect me, so I don't care. We should have known then that, you know, this is going to be what? another. That's the thing. So these big events have so little ramifications. Mm-hmm. Like, Even in this one that should have had major ramifications because people remembered what happened. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they should have remembered. No, they did, but they but, were like, but they oh, it out. I don't want to go mad. Yeah. So <laughs> Some blocked it out and some didn't admit it. So, uh-huh. But there, between this issue and every issue, there is a lot of language that is almost pulled directly from religious texts uh, when Redemptress is building this new paradise, mm-hmm. literally what she calls it, a reference to Genesis. Uh, she also says, let there be life. So a little different than let there be light, but when she's creating it, that's what she does. It's a take on that. So she also says something about a holy crusade. It's just a lot of overtly religious themes, language, text going on to the point that sometimes in comics, you can read between the lines Mm -hmm. and kind of figure out what the writer is trying to do. This one is so overt that it's impossible not to see what he's doing. Mm -hmm. This is the mother of comic books. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So any thoughts before we move on to issue two? Um. I really like the part when Hercules is caught away. <laughs> She's like, oh, my religious friend. And he's got like two women sitting on his lap in a, <laughs> in a bar. <laughs> thought that was a nice little uh, little shout out to all people are welcome in this place. <laughs> yeah. Also, it it's a little different than what Hercules prefers in the comics today. Oh, really? 
Really? Mm. Wait, is Hercules gay in the I think in comics? I think he's considered bi in oh, the comics. Oh, interesting. As far as I know. Huh. Yeah. Um, did Vision used to be a person? No, but he used to have emotions. Oh, uh, okay. That makes so sense. So he wasn't quite a person, but he had the mind of some guy named Lipton, I think, inside of him that mm. helped bring out emotion like they were merged somehow. Okay. And not in the way that the guy took over, but in the way that like Vision was able to experience emotion in a new way so but he's lost that since then Hmm. so he's very emotionless going on right now he also had a different body so i I thought that was cool that this clearly takes place uh, after certain events of the gatherer story that's going on in avengers based on the the costume that he's wearing uh speaking of art did you notice the part where iceman trips speedball so he lands face first (laughs) into she hawk's boobs that's the artwork that stood out to me see i actually didn't catch that (laughs) you didn't catch that no okay no i kind of i don't i don't know i didn't see that one okay yeah no that one's yeah uh and then who's the guy who looks like captain america u.s agent okay because i thought he was captain america the first read through when he gets super Mm. into trying to kill people and i'm like oh captain america is interesting for a oh, second oh come on captain america <laughs> is awesome in avengers not so much in maximum carnage but in avengers he's not bad okay all right issue two apologies but these are double double sized issues so uh the avengers and remaining heroes are confused because all crime on earth has ceased reed richards returns to the avengers hq with the infinity watch He explains that he believes their fellow paranormals were mesmerized into aiding in their own kidnappings, similar to how the people of Earth are being influenced not to commit crime. Elsewhere, the Redemptress reveals the cosmic egg that she made by combining all of the cosmic containment units. She needs her team to protect her flesh as her spirit soars through the cosmos, quote, spreading her gospel to make everywhere crimeless like Earth is kind of what she implies to them. That's not necessarily what we learn later that she's doing. Hmm. Later at Avengers HQ, it is revealed that Aurora's split personality is spiritual. And when she takes control, she starts to lead them to the Redemptress. Reed, Iron Man, and Vision follow her to the Paradise. They try talking to Redemptress and uh, try talking her into letting them help. But she knows they would sabotage her. So she banishes them from Paradise. Then we see Woke Warlock in a distant dimension determined to save the ruptured reality by rescuing the guardian of the reality gem. Plus Reed takes vision and Iron Man to Uatu, the watcher. The issue ends with the Redemptress going into the cosmic egg and expanding her consciousness throughout the galaxies, joining them to the collective consciousness. Like with the other stuff with Starlin that we've read, whole lot of convoluted stuff for a very simple story. Yeah. I, I just kept waiting for something to actually happen. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't to like issue six. See, I thought around issue four, things started to yeah. actually happen. Issue five, I was into more so because the action was mm. was awesome. Yeah. And then issue six is finally when things are happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. So at this point, she's, you know, put her spell or whatever over Earth. So there's no more crime or war or anything like that. And I kind of wanted that to be her only main goal. And then the whole debacle is, well, we're taking away these people's free will. Yes. Do we have to take her down for that? Okay. If it had stayed that, this would be a much more interesting I story. Was, I was so invested in that being what it was. Yeah. I'm like, this This fits. I can get behind this. This makes so much sense to to go at it from that angle. Is it okay to take away free will or not? And you even kind of get that from Xavier. Mm -hmm. I think it's on like page 28 or so when he's talking about what she's doing. And he's saying, we have all these defenses. Like you Avengers have all these defenses right here. How is this any different? Like she's trying to accomplish a goal that you're trying to do. And she's a being that's so far above us. If she's able to do it in this manner, who are we to judge her? Let's ask her what she's doing and see what she's actually trying to accomplish. And if she's trying to accomplish it and it makes sense, why are we opposed? And I I think like that, seeing that and then having the idea, like, is it really going to be about free will was a very compelling concept, especially seeing all of the religious themes throughout it that I could get on board with. That is not what it was. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but one part I did like about this issue is that they called Pip out on stealing the Quinjet. Like, we pulled yeah. her fingerprints <laughs> off a wrecked Quinjet. Uh, so I'm glad that there's actually consequences from 
uh, previous issues. Yeah, and they called him out for another theft too. But it was that was one of my my highlights too that I made note of. Is this? I think it might be the next one. Yeah, we'll talk about Pip in the next issue. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was the Warlock's costume new in this. Warlock's costume, I think, was the same, but Pip's costume changed. Okay. Because when uh, in the Warlock and the Infinity Watch issues between this, when Gamora and Moondragon and Warlock disappeared, there was a fight between the new guy, Maxim, right? Is that how you say his name, Maxim? Uh, There was a fight between Maxim, Drax, and Pip about who was going to be the leader of the Infinity Watch. Um, and Pip came out in his new costume to plead his case to why he should oh. be the leader. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that makes a little more sense then. Oh, and there's a lot more background on this Maxim character and the Infinity Watch. So I stuff. guess he's he's pretty pretty powerful. Uh, so Gamora has a flash, and she's got the time gem, so she's having these flashes into the future. And she sees a vision of Warlock either unconscious or dead at Maxim's feet. And then oh. the next day, a guy washes up on shore, and it's Maxim. So, like, they didn't know who he was until then, and Gamora tries to kill him right away, and then they talk her out of it. But So, so they're, they're teasing the possibility that he's the one that kills Warlock? Yeah. So, I expected that to kind of come up in these issues, but it doesn't. So, who knows? I guess that's further down the line in Infinity Watch. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, or, it just goes <laughs> or they just drop it, like, dopping his freaking wraiths. <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to do. I mean, you can't expect them to remember everything that they wrote into a story. Look, Warlock and Infinity Watch is actually pretty good storytelling, okay? So, I have hopes for that one. I mean, maybe. Uh Maybe. Okay. Uh, So, that's good, but he doesn't translate so well into the big events. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I don't know what happens. Starlin's pretty good at writing the little in-between Infinity Watch stuff. But when it comes to these big events, it just feels... Like, he overthinks everything. He probably is. Well, yeah, he probably is. One of my, one of the parts that I loved is when, speaking of the Infinity Watch, is when Drax is introducing Maxim to everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's Iron Man, Havoc, and Wolverine. And he's like, this is Iron Pan, Chaos, and the Badger. Yes. What I, <laughs> what I especially love about that is that there is now a character known as Honey Badger. Oh, who really? Who is a clone of a clone of Wolverine. Nice. So... Uh, Honey Badger is like a standout character. She's one of the best right now. And in, in oh, she's a girl. Comics. Yeah, she's fantastic. Her, she's the clone of X twenty three. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so she and X twenty three are buddies. And I think she was created last year. I think. Cool. It's, been, it's not been out. very long, but she is. She's fantastic. Huh. So I liked that little nod. I wonder mm-hmm. if that was was thought of before, but. Oh, also Hulk and Drax are buddy-buddy because in a Infinity Watch issue, uh, Drax starts having flashbacks of his history when he was a jazz musician. So he shows up in New Orleans, I think it was, where Hulk happens to be. And Drax accidentally starts tearing up the town while looking for like a saxophone or something like that. (laughs) And then the news think that Drax is the Hulk. So they start blaming the Hulk on all this destruction. So Hulk hunts down Drax. They fight. Drax is stronger than the Hulk, canonically. So, uh, whoa. Yeah. So Hulk just has to start like buddying up to him and he like gives him some kind of instrument or something. So, yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea Drax was technically stronger than the Hulk. Yeah. And that issue is uh, beautifully drawn. You should go read it just for the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, inside of this, we also we also get a whole lot of biblical phrases again. Of course, because we got we got we got to make sure we note this as <laughs> we go on because we are going to talk a little bit more about it in, later. But phrases such as second coming, uh, rapture, holy salvation, spreading the gospel, the moon dragon is called the rock upon which she will create the future. <laughs> like there, there's no subtlety here at all that's going on in Moon Dragon being the Redemptress's right-hand person. Uh, also, stuff that I that's overt about religion is human torch and thing when they're talking. Mm-hmm. And thing reveals to the human torch that as a child, he had an aunt that was sick and he made some prayers to God and he thought, and this, I'm paraphrasing, but it's the same, the same idea, is that no way could an unjust or a just God ignored the unselfish prayer of a child. So he thought that she would be healed 
She's not healed. She dies. And then from that moment on, thing more or less turns his back on God. Yeah. And uh, and that's during a conversation with Human Torch and, and Thing to point out what you were talking about earlier, where they're questioning, like, I believe in God. Why is this? Yeah. And Human Torch is kind of along that line because his sister has been taken and, and he's been left behind. Mm-hmm. But uh, so another overt opinion about Christian or not Christian about religion thrown inside of here. Yeah. And the thing story is very common in real life. So it is very <laughs> common. Many people that that's happened, but uh, actually before he does that story, he had a quote I really liked and said, doubt sometimes creeps in from the most unexpected places, sometimes even from believing too much. Like, yeah, mm. I know a lot of people who, <laughs> who follow that as well. Point. That's a very good point. I think that's also similar to the, is it Alfred Tennyson quote in the first issue that they open with? Oh um, yeah. They have a lot of quotes about religion at the beginning of these. Yeah. So, from, yeah. from, from some very popular either theologians or whatever they may be. Yeah. So issue three, the watcher cryptically warns Reed vision and Iron Man by teleporting them to the precise location they wanted to be, to be saving them time. At least that's the way they interpret it. Reed and Xavier debate what the goddess is doing and if they should stop her. Xavier reaches out to Moondragon telepathically to try and get a better understanding of the goddess's motives. He's unaware that she and the other crusaders have been watching them via Doctor Strange's mystics. She damages Xavier and she herself is unaware that Pip was psychically monitoring them, which revealed her location to him. Meanwhile, Warlock reaches out to Thanos for help. As he's doing this, Mephisto shows up wanting to form a trio. At first, they're reluctant, but Thanos believes they need him for his knowledge on cosmic containment units. Mephisto says he will help, but only if he gets one of the cosmic containment units in the end. Uh, After Moondragon's encounter with Xavier, the goddess tells her crusaders to go on the offensive and attack the heroes. Meanwhile, the heroes load up in some Quinjets and head off to Paradise Omega. Pip teleports the cosmic egg without the goddess knowing teleports to the cosmic egg without her knowing and while touching it he wishes her into total salt another another reference into religion he even comes up and says how biblical (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly so it's not they're not sly at all with what they're trying to to say in this and uh but okay so i think i've started with each of these issues so far you start on this one. Uh, my biggest disappointment in this was when I saw the cover and I saw the giant chicken creature and I thought, oh my God, that egg's going to hatch and it's going to be that creature. <laughs> and then it was just Mephisto or whatever as a, you know, in a different form. Such a letdown. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Exactly. Like, but I mean, This whole time I'm waiting for that egg to hatch and... It doesn't. It doesn't. No, no. Spoiler alert, the egg does not hatch. <laughs> it's not... I Looking at the cover, I at no point thought that about it i'm like oh really what is this creature what are we getting into now and then then it was mephisto i do love though that when mephisto shows up like that thanos and warlock are such bas that they're like (laughs) no this isn't impressive just be your normal self like this isn't going to scare us into helping yeah helping you what does he actually do to help because i can't even remember him he gave them some type of knowledge about how to handle the cosmic containment units and i think he also helped develop the plan but okay. I think it's probably elaborated on more in one of the tie-ins. Yeah. So this is the first. So we've been doing, I don't know, this is like episode 34, 35-ish, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. We've read a lot of comics. Sure. We've read a lot of crossovers and, and big events. This is the first one where the tie-ins seem to truly matter. Maybe not all of them, but at least a handful of them to where reading just the main line can get a little hazy on what's going on. Especially this thing with Pip and the goddess. Because yeah. just, you come back to the next issue and everything's fine. It's, it's so frustrating. I hate that. I hate that about big events that they force you into reading the tie-ins to understand. Mm-hmm. I think it's best when the tie-ins just elaborate on everything that's going on mm-hmm. or add to it as opposed to forcing you to understand. For instance, uh, AVX or Avengers versus X-Men, while not the best big event and many people hate it at least it seemed like from what i can remember the main seven issues made sense even if you didn't read the tie-ins but there were tie-ins that helped expand upon the battles that took place so you got to see more of like how captain america beat i think it was gambit when they fought or um how some of the other battles shook out you got to see more details in it instead of like the abridged battle 
I think that's acceptable. I'm down with that. That makes sense. If you want to learn more about what's going on, cool. But I don't think you should have to be forced into buying these tie-ins, some of which clearly don't matter because there's so many tie-ins, they're not answering all the four or five missing pieces inside of this. So the other stuff was just excess. So how do you know which one is the one that you need to redefine the the missing piece? Yeah. But that that's one of my big gripes with, with this entire series. Yeah, which is such a letdown thinking back to Infinity War with the Infinity Watch issues in between those because they were so perfect. It was just like, here's a glimpse into the mind of the character we focused on in this issue. Now you know what they're thinking. See? And yeah, unless it's like, this is how the main <laughs> villain comes back from being a pillar of salt. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's frustrating. Uh, I can't voice it enough about this. There's also re- repetition. I mean, we can are constantly battered with the idea of what the Redemptress is doing. We're constantly battered with Xavier's stance on possibly empathizing with her. For a minute, when I was reading the recap, I thought, oh, did I screw up? Was Xavier not making that speech in issue two? No, he made that speech in issue two. He also made it in this issue. Uh, so it's just, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's an obnoxious, especially in double-sized issues. What? Uh, positives. I have a positive. I have one. Hopefully it's the same. I don't think it's going to (laughs) be. Go ahead. Um, I like to know that canonically there is a planet of furries in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) You are dead right. That is not the the same. (laughs) Yeah, there's a scene where um, you're seeing throughout the universe that that whole like peace wave or whatever is happening and there's like this robot guy and this like clearly a furry woman (laughs) who are about to go to battle and then they just lay down their guns. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's not what I what I made note of. What I made note of <laughs> is the fact that canonically, the Hulk gave Pip a bath. And you should read the issue that it happens because he gleefully almost drowns Pip during that bath. <laughs> <laughs> like Hulk gets a little like psychotic in that issue. Okay, so I want to then I want to go and I want to to kind of read that tie in then mm-hmm. because I'm I'm reading. Pip's response about being upset about it. I'm reading Hulk making comments about it. I'm like, man, that's that's freaking hilarious that this is canon that Hulk gave Pip a bath. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, we also get the whole uh, more, more overt religious themes again, where Hulk actually calls the Crusaders holy rollers. <laughs> like, okay. All right. We know, we know your opinion, Starlin. I do like that uh, Silver Surfer broke free from control, although he was then beaten to death, senseless by Fire Lord. I actually kind of like that scene because it's sort of, you know, when maybe your Christian friends, you're trying to talk to them about maybe this thing here doesn't make sense. (laughs) And then they scream blasphemer. (laughs) And then they beat you. And then they beat you. I mean, it happens. They beat you senseless. (laughs) The crusade happens. (laughs) I mean, fair point, fair point. The Moon Dragon and Xavier mental sparring was, was interesting where she picks up on Xavier's veiled threat. I do love how veiled his threat was, though. Xavier's trying to talk to Moon Dragon about getting information about the goddess and the Redemptress or whatever and what she's doing or what she's planning. And he makes the comment, keeping us in the dark about the goddess's aims is fostering certain suspicions among the unconverted. And her mm. response is that a veiled threat. Hmm. That's a really veiled threat, but hmm. it's a veiled threat. Like, Xavier's a master of words. I'm not going to lie. He's a smart man. He is. He's probably reading her mind. And she's, but she has the, does she have the mind gem? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why she can do it. So she's a telepath plus the mind gem. So Xavier yep. doesn't stand a chance. And she mentally blasts him and he goes, I guess, catatonic for the rest of the thing until issue six, right? Yeah, although he's still like somehow used by Thanos for stuff. So yeah, yeah. Thanos, yay! Thanos <laughs> um, the one thing I pulled away from these issues that I want to check out further is Sleepwalker. Oh yeah, yeah. So he gets pulled in by the goddess, but then apparently, when uh, his host body wakes up, he's just like this guy with a cute dog and has no idea that there's some sort of like alien living inside him i'm not quite sure what he is so i'm very yeah and then (laughs) apparently uh later on he had the fourth sight as sleepwalker to like throw mickey into the kid's orange juice (laughs) fall asleep (laughs) faster (laughs) i loved that part yeah so 
I, yeah, I don't know if he's just like a spiritual being that's attached to him. I assume so because everything's anti-religion. So yeah. I would think that it would make sense that it's a spiritual being attached and that's the problem. The host body's fine, so he's not raptured, but the spiritual being is raptured because it's a spiritual being and spirits are bad. Yeah. That's, yeah. Also, some of his powers are cool later on, so I want to check out Sleep Parker. So if you guys have any like knowledge on them and where to start with them, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> any other thoughts? Uh, do the Avengers not know that Tony Stark is Iron Man? I don't think at this point they do. Okay. I know there's a long time where they don't know. I don't think he's revealed that yet. Maybe he has. I don't think so, because well, he was talking about Tony Stark in the third person as Iron Man when, they're t- when they revealed the new Quinjets. Yeah. He, um, this might not be Tony Stark as Iron Man, then. I would need to check that. Really? Yeah, so... Wait, he becomes Iron Man. There was a point Rhodey was, but oh. but he's War Machine in this, so I would need to check that. But I mean, in the Avengers line that we're reading, they know, at least Captain America knows, hmm. maybe not everyone, but I know Cap and Black Widow know, because he visits Cap as Tony Stark to talk about everything that's going on. Like, hmm. knowing, like they, they went to freaking space and op- Operation Galactic Storm. I didn't notice anything in that that made it sound like they didn't know. So maybe the rest of the teams don't know. Maybe. He is like a well-known narcissist, so maybe he just likes to talk about himself in you know, the third person. He's, he's like the rock of of the Avengers. Interesting. That's a weird parallel. He's not really, but the rock always <laughs> talks about himself in the third person. Okay. Moving know. on. Yeah. All right. Issue four. Pip was thwarted and the goddess restored, apparently in a tie-in. Thanos reaches out to Silver Surfer for assistance. Warlock has given Thanos his soul stone so that Thanos himself is able to know what Warlock is doing inside the Soul Stone, searching for someone to aid them. Thanos and Surfer reach out to the heroes via hologram. Thanos informs them that they have a distraction plan for them to use to their advantage. He then teleports a catatonic Xavier from Avengers HQ to his location. Then he sends Silver Surfer to absorb the energy of a sun. Extremely beefed up from the sun, the Surfer is directed straight towards Paradise Omega. He crashes through its moon and shatters it into pieces. Working for the goddess, Thor takes flight and throws Mjolnir through the two Quinjets, forcing the heroes into escape pods. They land in designated spots on Paradise Omega, while Thor battles Drax and Hulk, knocking Hulk's propulsion pack off, sending him towards Paradise Omega. Meanwhile, Moon Dragon sends some of the goddess's followers to the different escape pod locations to battle the heroes. Elsewhere, Warlock finds the person he's been looking for in the Soul Stone, his evil side, the Magus, which seemed very pointless. So there's two tie-ins in between all these. There's the Infinity Watch stuff, and then there's the Warlock Chronicles, which I read like the first two of Warlock Chronicles. But that's, that's not even all of them, because it ties into Avengers West Coast and like oh, some of yeah. the other ones, too. It's a ridiculous amount of tie-ins. It's true. So the ones that probably matter are the ones that you've listed? Yeah. Which I dropped off, of course, right at the one where, you know, you need to read to find out how Pip gets everything <laughs> undone. So I will probably go back and read that after this, after this recording. Perfect. Did we even see when Thanos got the Soul Stone from Warlock? No. I read it. Yeah, I read it twice and I still couldn't figure out what. See, like that one doesn't bother me as much because it's such a small thing that I'm like, okay, just gave it to him in the in between the issues. Like, I don't yeah. need to know or see him doing that. Mm-hmm. But. To see how the goddess went from salt to having Pip tied up, that's a huge change yeah. that is, is difficult to to piece together or to assume what happened. So we'll pretend that Silhouette came in and stopped him. Oh, is that who that... Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure who was the protector there. What's her power? I think she can just kind of become a silhouette. I know uh, she's... Which makes her able to travel down through the uh, paradise, Earth's core to find her yeah okay. yeah we'll go, we'll with, go that. with that yeah no I, don't, I honestly don't know I, I think that's what she can do i know there are some listeners that are big fans of her mm. so i'd like to know more i think she's in the new warriors but i haven't committed myself to read those even though nitsietza says that like anyone that likes his old marvel stuff needs to go read that he's a bigger fan of that than some of his other work so I guess one day I'll probably try it, but the New Warriors interactions that I saw in the Avengers, I think it was Bob Harris writing it, so that might have been why I wasn't a big fan. Maybe he just doesn't know how to interpret the characters, Mm. but I wasn't a big fan. Yeah, John. Yeah. Uh, But speaking of Thanos, he was so extra when he was talking to Silver Surfer, because they're just like having this conversation, and then he's like, do you want to see inside my soul? (laughs) 
Surfer's like, no, dude, I let's just do this and yeah, get over with. Surfer's like, no, nah, I'm good, dude. I just got beat up by a fire guy. I'm, yeah. I don't want to go through that. Yeah. Uh, so, again, we get overt anti-religious themes. Thanos's ship that he pulls oh. from wherever it's stationed. <laughs> yeah. So he has this big, massive ship that I guess he made a long time ago for the purpose of something, and then he was like, nah, it's not going to work, so he hasn't been using it. So he pulls this big, giant ship out because he's going to use it. I don't even remember what he shoots. It's not very clear, I think, in whatever issue it is uh, that he shoots it with. But he pulls the ship out, and it's called the Dreadnought 666. <laughs> All right. Okay. I mean, so I guess he's had 665 of these ships to this point, or he just likes that number. I uh, would like to imagine that he just kept blowing them up over and over again <laughs> until he reached that number. I mean, that sounds like a very Thanos thing to do. It's true. So he could have. Yeah. Uh, my my main notes on this one were that there's way too many freaking tie-ins and then the Dreadnought thing. Mm-hmm. I do think it's kind of funny, though, that we see Moondragon and her crew making a bomb teleporting into Avengers HQ and there's no one there. So they just teleport this big bomb and they're like, Oh crap, no one's here. Where are they? And I'm thinking if you've got strange able to see them, why would you ever stop watching them? Yeah, that didn't really, cause they had been watching them the whole time. Yeah. Until they made the bomb and we're ready to go. Yeah. I don't know. Then, also, no one ever really talked about the bomb afterwards. Like I think it's just sitting in headquarters still. I hope it goes off in some <laughs> random issue. And they're just like, holy crap, what is that? <laughs> Sue just uh, pushes it up like she did her gamma ray bomb thing. So, uh, but no, speaking of religious overtones, uh, it really creeps me out when they call each other like brother and sister. I don't like that um, in real life when people do that. <laughs> I religious did, groups. Didn't even notice that. that yeah, no, that. every time they did it, I'm like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Um, but no, the part I was most invested in is when Sleepwalker jumps back out of the guy's body and the dog gets really scared. Why is the dog scared? If it happens every night when the kid falls asleep, he should uh, he should know who Sleepwalker uh, yeah. is. And also, the kid dropped his like poisoned ap- orange juice, so... I hope that doggy was a good boy and he didn't drink the orange juice. <laughs> well, that's the storyline I want to be tied up. <laughs> if the doggy was religious, he would have been raptured. So <laughs> all dogs go to Paradise Omega. Yeah, sure they do. When it comes to this series, if they were going to be double sized, it probably just needed to be three issues, maybe four. Oh, yeah, you could have got through that easily. If you're going to do six issues, it needs to be no more than one, one and a half times the size. Uh, case in point, so when Silver Surfer absorbs the energy of the sun, gets beefed up, we see one, two, three pages wasted because Silver Surfer was aimed in the wrong direction after he <laughs> absorbed the sun. Why? The, it serves no purpose in the story to have this included. Drax and Hulk basically tag team and help redirect him. But there's nothing in it. Like, there's no substance in that. Although I did like the ending where Hulk gets knocked away and he's just screaming for Drax and Drax doesn't pay so attention to him. <laughs> so that's a little different. I'm all for that yeah. part. This is literally just Silver Surfer gets beefed up and he's aimed the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He could have been aimed the right way and you just saved yourself three pages and been able to like reduce the size of this issue. Just That's just one instance of the excess that is buried with, not buried, it's as overt as the religious themes. Uh, inside of this mini series, but, but you know Drax, he doesn't know what he's doing. Of course, he didn't throw in the right direction. But what? So <laughs> so okay, Drax didn't, but Surfer didn't either, because it was Surfer who comes out of the sun and he's aimed the wrong direction. Then Drax hits him to try and redirect, but he doesn't redirect him good enough. So the Hulk has to redirect again. So there's two redirections that take place. Just just say Surfer didn't lose his mind, absorbed the sun, and aimed in the right direction. But then you wouldn't have that uh, overlay of Thanos talking like, huh, I probably should have thought about whether this is going (laughs) to cause Surfer so much agonizing pain and maybe break his mind. I'm a psychopath. All right, all right. Still, I have (laughs) issues with it. But I do, I did find myself enjoying what you're talking about, though, with Hulk, Drax, and Thor, Mm -hmm. especially... Basically, like Hulk just drops through the end of this issue and all of the next issue, like that—that's his story in this. Is he's just falling to the the planet, the Paradise Omega. Yep. And the fact that Thor's like holding his own against Drax and Hulk shows you a lot about Thor. Issue five, 
I am not going to read everything I wrote. <laughs> it's basically the finally the beginning of all the battles. There are a crap ton of battles. I stopped counting them all. There were at least 12 battles. <laughs> and then they broke down with the winners fighting more. But as far as like the unique ones, there's like 10 to 12. And what I thought was worth noting is that at least through the first 12 that I counted, seven of them were in favor of Moon Dragon and the Redemptress. And five were in favor of, you know, the the non-believers. But, I mean, we get battles like Captain America and Scarlet Witch versus Beast and Iceman. Uh, we get um, Mr. Fantastic and Vision uh, fighting Windshear and Doctor Strange. Uh, Rogue and Maxim fighting Invisible Woman, Hercules. Archangel and Black Knight versus Iron Man and Speedball. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. There are a ton of battles all throughout this. And then as more battles are raging on, the goddess gets closer and closer to achieving the rapture she plans. Thanos teleports himself and Xavier to the goddess's location. And as Thanos tries to break through her defenses, her plan is realized. One by one across the Milky Way, suns begin to explode. Okay. So I want to get your take on this because I mentioned two topics throughout that I kind of wanted us to talk about towards the end. And we'll go ahead and talk about one of them now. And you said you didn't pick up on it, which is surprising because usually the female stuff you pick up on and I don't. I found this to be an extremely anti-women or anti-female series. Really? Reason being, the heroes, the main heroes, all guys. Every single one of them. The main villains, all females. On top of that, in the battles, most of the women that should be able to hold their own get taken out in like one hit hmm. you've got scarlet witch who gets taken out you got invisible woman who gets taken out technically both of those are two of the most powerful people in the marvel universe you've got a guardian getting taken out by just someone dropping on her like there are so many little things along this that i'm like i didn't realize it until this issue when scarlet witch gets punched in the stomach and that's what takes her out of the fight uh yeah that is a little out of character but See, I was distracted that I finally saw a woman character in Marvel who, like, actually was completely covered in <laughs> armor and not completely sexualized. So, and the moon, I mean, yeah, they're villains, but they're also really badass in this kind of. <laughs> so, it was just nice to see them extremely powerful. Only because of the cosmic containment units. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, most of these people have powers because of random okay. items so fair point and also sort of the moon dragon stuff makes sense if you read the infinity watch because she's been trying to become the leader and then all of a sudden she's the leader of oh. the new world okay yeah. all right um but speaking of women getting beaten up does rogue have some kind of healing factor because she should be dead rogue is invulnerable she so, is yes yeah, so okay you know captain marvel there's a point where rogue steals her so rogue do you know rogue's powers yeah she like touches you and then takes your power yeah she holds on to carol a little longer than normal mm. takes all of her powers carol ends up like knocked out for a few days doesn't even have her powers struggles with the whole thing like it's rough for carol mm. for a long time so she has captain marvel's powers which gotcha. means she's ridiculously op so that frustrated the crap out of me to see her get hit one time and she was done that was another part where I'm like, I don't like the way that they're handling this because I have a deep respect for Scarlet Witch and I have a deep love for Rogue. And to see how they were handled in this was annoying. And then to also know that even though I'm not a big Fantastic Four fan, to know how powerful Invisible Woman is mm. and to see how she's depicted, I was really annoyed. And that's where it was all like coalescing. And then I'm like, and then I looked at the villains and I'm like, okay, they're both female. They're they're the ones pushing this this theme or whatever. And I thought, okay, so does Starlin have an anti-female perspective? We've talked about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. <laughs> so, clearly he does, but it shines in this one uh, not as overt as some mm -hmm. of the religious themes, but it was something I thought of, and I guess you don't necessarily feel the same way? Um, I mean, I can see it now that you're talking about some of the fights, but I kind of enjoyed having powerful female villains for a little while. Okay, yeah. I can get on board with having the powerful female villains, although having no females, from what I can remember, on the hero side to counterbalance that 
was an was an issue. They were there, yeah. But as far as importance, true. So I agree. Uh, speaking of healing factors, Gamora gets like gutted by Wolverine, yeah. and then at the end, he's like, "How are your healing factors so much better, or at the same rate as mine?" And she says, "Doctor Thanos." Is, does she have regenerative powers from when he rebuilt her, or did he wish with the egg to heal her? Because I couldn't figure out what was happening there. I felt like it was before the egg stuff. Okay. That, because, that was, I mean, I've seen her fight before, and she can go down, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, there's a there's some writer's discretion on Wolverine's <laughs> healing factor as well. Okay. So, especially in the old days, it took a lot longer for him to regenerate or to heal up, and he was able to be knocked out a lot easier. Gotcha. Now it's like, oh, he gets stabbed through the heart, he's fine five seconds later. <laughs> okay. So it just kind of depends on, on that. I so, so, that part... I, I don't know a ton of Gamora's backstory, but the way I read it was like somewhere along the line when she was younger, mm-hmm. he doctored her up. I don't know why she called him Dr. Thanos other than to... I think just being cute. Yeah. Yeah. Even though she should hate Thanos because he's a... Yep. He's a prick. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. No. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And one of the Infinity Watch issues before this, I did think of you because I remember during Infinity War, you got mad that Pip knocked Wolverine out with yeah. a hit of her. They actually explained it uh, that when they got their new bodies, remember when they were like recreated out of the Soul Stone, like people fell off the cliff and then they took over their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Apparently when that happened, they were given like superhuman strength. So that was their excuse to why Pip could do that. <laughs> Whatever. That's bogus. Bull crap! I disagree with that. That's stupid. That should not happen. It's one one rock to the head. Come on now, the the fights in this. So issue four was kind of a turning point for me. Not in the sense that it saved the series or redeemed the series, but it at least started to build crumbs again that that made it a little more interesting and a quicker read than the first three. So I was a little more invested in the final three issues. I really, this is probably my favorite issue in the thing because it's not bogged down by all of the the dialogue that goes on and all this crap that's just thrown in. And it's just the fights. It's what we've been wanting to see, right? I mean, like they separate the, the teams way early on in the very first issue. We don't see a fight until issue five. And issue five, we get the fights. I feel like most of the fights kind of live up to it at least amongst the men versus men, maybe not so much the females, but I mean the, the captain America and beast and Iceman and Scarlet witch fight I thought was fantastic. I love that Iceman freezes captain America's legs and he thinks it's over. And then cap uses some agility and basically, you know, hits him, uh, flips forward and hits Iceman. I do hate that the Hercules and rogue thing, but, uh, but just some of the fights were great in this. One of my favorites, is that Archangel and Black Knight are coming after Speedball. And Speedball's like, where's Iron Man? Yeah. with me? And then Iron Man blasts Archangel and Black Knight from the back, which also shouldn't have taken out Archangel, but I digress. And I love that Iron Man's like, Speedball, I knew teaming up with you would prove to be a smart move. And Speedball's like, oh yeah, because of my fighting skills? No, you make great bait. <laughs> that was like, a great line. Yeah, so I'm like, that's a that's a nice pairing. It makes sense. Although but, I was very distracted by Dark Knight's Pegasus. I know yeah. when I know more about that Pegasus. Uh, and then Sasquatch is randomly part of the Avengers. Uh, he's part of um, Alpha Flight. So th- is that not? He's a reserve Avenger. <laughs> is he? Do they uh, actually call him an Avenger? No, I just assume that when all these events happen, they just call in everybody that they consider uh, no, reserve. No, no, no. So there's one scene that takes place. In, uh, I'm pretty sure Sasquatch is, I'm trying to think of who he fights. Yeah, because he fights the thing. So Sasquatch and I think it's Shaman and Puck and Guardian, they're all part of Alpha Flight. And there's a scene in issue one where when she's recruiting people, like it's so different. I don't know. I guess he's trying to say all Canadians are religious (laughs) because Alpha Flight is the Canadian team and he goes to them Um. and... Or she goes to them and she's like, hey, all of you, come follow me. But every other team, she's like picking here and there. So I'm like, what are you, what are you trying to say about Canadians here, Starlin? <laughs> are they all religious? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I mean, and then the fights like Wolverine and Wonder Man. So 
I like Wolverine. Don't get me wrong. But it's always fun to see Wolverine get beat up if it's not Puck with a rock to the back of the head <laughs> where it actually makes sense. And Wonder Man just is owning Wolverine. Like that whole page, I think it's like six or seven different shots of just Wonder Man beating on Wolverine. And then Wonder Man gets taken out by Maxim. So fights are great. Fights in this, fantastic. So Agreed. Yeah. Um. This is also where I decided I will for sure read a sleepwalker issue because his power is he casts some kind of beam on the water and then a tentacle monster appears. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if he can do that just anytime or do they need to be in the ocean? What's happening? Oh, um, yeah. But also righteous indignation. Captain America is just a normal Captain America. So he felt very uh, what I've read before. <laughs> Was what he was saying here. So you hate Captain America. Got he's it. just, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Thanos and Professor X are standing outside that egg. Yeah. And she doesn't see them. Like the goddess is just, She's can still she not? Worked. So she was busy trying to rapture the the universe i mean i understand that but well her mind and consciousness is scouring the entire Mm -hmm. universe and she's got silhouette and moon dragon who are supposed to be protecting her Mm -hmm. so like thanos i guess uses his 666 powers (laughs) and takes out the the people watching or the people watching get involved because of the fight oh yeah he was he he needed gamora down that was the whole thing he needed gamora down for some reason then when gamora gets beat by Wolverine, that's when he's like, okay, now we can go to the egg. So I guess he was afraid of Gamora for some reason. Mm. Or she just might be able to stop him. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. And so, Maybe that's in the middle issue somewhere. Who knows? So they that's, that's when they get there. And he's got some type of a device on Xavier's head that allows Thanos to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think th- I liked how they ended it, though, because I didn't... N- think it was going this way with every star in the universe explodes and it just ends with like something like and across the milky way galaxy one by one stars begin to explode but that's a good way to end up an issue it is and there are there are some clues that that's her plan so i will give you props on that because there are some clues especially i think it was i don't remember which issue it was i think it was two but it shows a galaxy or, or at least a bunch of planets and then a star and you think it's about the forming of this planet because it talks about this planet being barren or like that she's making changes. But then it starts to zoom in on the the sun that's behind of that planet. Hmm. And then the next shot is like the spiraling out. So I don't know if it was trying to show that it went supernova, but I think it was because it talks about being that the first one of her rapture. Gotcha. So, okay. So he plants the seeds. It's just everything else is beating you over the face and it's really hard to care about the the small foreshadowing moments. Fair. Yeah. All right. Issue six. The rapture seemingly takes place as the entire universe is consumed in flames as we witness planets, people, aliens, and everything engulfed in flames. As the goddess thinks she may begin her next step, it's revealed that warlock and soul form was inside of her being undetected. With him being in touch with the cosmic containment units as well, He was able to get the unit to create the illusion of the rapture having happened to everyone right before it truly did. This faked everyone out, including the goddess. The goddess then leaves her body to battle warlock in the soul astral plane. Unaware of this means Thanos and Xavier can join the battle. They put a beat down on her and she flees back to her physical body. Again, she's caught unaware by warlock who has taken control of the cosmic egg and use its ability to force her to the soul world as a prison Having one warlock soul rejoins his body and Thanos honors his deal. He causes the egg to shrink to sub-energy levels and sets it to explode Paradise Omega. Then he teleports everyone off of Paradise Omega. Okay, props Thanos. Ending the series, we see the struggle that some have with their being used and how most of the universe is mentally blocking that it ever happened to avoid insanity. Thanos meets with Mephisto to uphold his deal and gives him a cosmic cube, a non-functioning cube. As Mephisto leaves, Thanos reflects on never trusting prophets or devils and that salvation comes from within. Guess we know what you're trying to say. Here's Starlin. See, I didn't even focus on that so much. It was just how incredibly emo Thanos was. He's like, that's why I only trust myself and my darkness. (laughs) That's so Thanos. Yeah. That's my new catchphrase. That's so Thanos. Oh, God. Uh, All right. The battle with goddess Thanos, Xavier, Warlock is so visually stunning. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. 
Like it is beautiful. It's fantastic. I posted to the, the Instagram account, one of my favorite shots, probably my favorite shot in the entire series. And it's just the, the headshots of Xavier and Thanos. I think it's a full of warlock. And mm, yeah, full, I think so. And a full of the goddess, but the other ones are just their heads because they're not inside of the actual astral plane. Like his soul is. Yeah, and, and you posted those pictures before I got to that issue. So oh, thanks crap. for the spoilers. Crap, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. But it's such a good picture. I couldn't help yeah. but post it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my take on that one. Uh, the It makes so much of the early issues completely pointless. Yeah. Because none of it matters. No. Not even when it should. People should be freaking out. Yeah. Like, we talked about when half of us thought it was a blue and gold dress and when half of us thought it was a <laughs> whatever gold and white dress everybody had the same vision of everybody dying like you don't just push that down <laughs> no you should at least not to everybody yeah it should be a very very huge deal and i think we're not going to deal with any of it no. i think it will carry over in the warlock story because that's starlin but i think as far as all of the other major players they're probably not going to address it at all. Just like Eternity said, this doesn't bother me, so I don't care about this storyline. Like, even Storm is reflective with Wolverine, and I'm like, that would be amazing to kind of watch how this plays Mm -hmm. out with Storm and Wolverine. I almost have a 100% feeling that Scott Lobdell and Nitsieta have nothing to do with it in their lines. Although that uh, scene between them was actually really good, because Storm's just, like, starting to blame herself for all of it, and he just, like, cuts her off real fast, like, that's enough. Yeah. This is what happened. This is not your fault. It's not any of these people's fault. Yep. And get over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, I've talked. The back half of the series is far superior to the front half. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the rapture itself that they show is horrific to contemplate, but illustrated very powerfully. Like just, uh, but my first question is, how did Fire Lord burn up if he's constantly surrounded by fire? I have no real definitive answer for that. Yeah. Maybe he's the only one alive still. Oh, no, they watched him. That I was know. the second death. That's oh, yeah. when we should have called on that it was fake because he can't burn up, right? <laughs> Maybe. Other things that you want to note about that last issue? Uh, yeah, when all this is happening, one of the panels before the world blows up is some creepy looking guy standing over a sleeping dude. The creepy guy's got like sort of cat whisker like mask looking thing going on. I have no idea um, what that was. Yeah. That must be someone we don't know that's actually a comic character or something because they do, I'm pretty sure they show a couple, yeah, they show Deathlock and a couple other comic characters. Yeah. I did think it was awesome that there's a kid reading this comic. Yes. The exact same page as you were reading. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a cool twist. Yeah. Very meta. It's probably the best part of this issue. Um, do you think that the goddess like stole an actual human woman's body? And inhabited it, or do you think she created her own body? I took it as she created it with the cosmic units. Okay. I kind of like the storyline that she possessed somebody. But you know, well, up to interpretation. There's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of imagery that's very similar to the Phoenix from X-Men in this. Like on page nine, when things are being incinerated with fire and you just see eyes within flames, and then it focuses on the eyes. That's uh, very, very Phoenix-esque. But... This series, again, feels like there's no weight to it because nothing... It seems like the status quo is going to go on except for with Warlock and and his group. Yeah. Although there was an extremely heavy uh, set of panels where they flash to Israel and Lebanon after everything's <laughs> been turned back and it's just like people shooting at each other. I'm like, oh, well, this is actually you, happening. What so, do you ouch. think he's trying to say? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. And then Silver Surfer's crying off to the side. Yeah. Okay. I don't. <sighs> I don't have more to say on issue six, but I do want to talk about the the main theme, uh, the religious theme. How did you overall feel about the series' treatment of religion? Yeah, I don't think it bothered me as much as it bothered you. Um, I I think I have a better idea of kind of Starlin and where he's coming from now. Yeah, I think it's obvious what Starlin feels religion is like. I think what bothered me is that in other comics that I've read, there's at least something about it where religion itself is not the evil. 
that it's the people who are either hypocrites to that religion are evil. This felt like it was just religion itself. See, I actually took it differently. I thought like extreme zealots are the, it was almost like calling back to like the actual crusades where like blood ran in the streets. Like you can, like it can be peaceful, but also (laughs) if you take it to a certain extreme, it's not peaceful just by being itself. I can see where you're coming from with that. My only thing with that would be that outside of what human torch, I don't remember anybody else debating whether or not they were spiritual. Oh, I mean, that side. whole thing with when they're talking about, I believe in God, well, didn't believe him enough to be yeah, a part of. Okay. So maybe he is going with the zealots. I, I don't know. There was just so much imagery, so many statements that it didn't like. And uh, some of the other stuff, there's the purifier group. There's uh, William Stryker and uh, his group. And there's just so many other things where it's clear that it is the zealots because they'll either show something where the non-zealots or believers of that have a different view. Like for instance, Nightcrawler will often balance that out in the Mm -hmm. X-Men line so that you get the idea that, and there wasn't as over overt as everything was anti, there wasn't anything that was overt about balancing it. So that was one of my issues. The other thing was I thought originally I thought it was cool that it's showing the symbolism, but the one like the symbols when she was recruiting, so mm-hmm. like the onk and the, the lightning bolt and all that. But the one thing about that that upon like a second skim through that bugged me is that the only one that had a visual person on the symbol instead of just the symbol was the cross and it had the redemptress on it. So it was almost signifying like, this is the one we're really going after Yeah. instead. And then to hear all of the different language from that religion used in this through the evil ones Yeah. or the, the antagonists, that was where I kind of got really perturbed with it. Yeah. But again, most of the time in comics, I feel like there's a proper counterbalance so that it, it doesn't alienate. Yeah. This one almost felt like it was trying to alienate. Agree with that, or at least trying to to influence the theology of twelve year old <laughs> kids who are reading this. But, yeah, but that's fine. Comics are are writers often use comics as a way to influence their their beliefs, and that's fine because a lot of times it is needed. There are a lot of good themes that come from comic books, more so now than probably <laughs> thirty years ago. But yeah. I digress. Uh, so we do have a second opinion this time. Oh, good. It actually came. Is through- it Anthony? It is. Yay! It came through while we were discussing, so I'm pretty excited about that. And we didn't we didn't miss him on this one. It's Anthony Sitko, who is one of the co-hosts of Capes on the Couch podcast. It's a podcast that basically gives therapy to comic book characters. It's a really interesting, fun, and good take on comic book podcasts. So you guys should check those out if you're a fan of our show. We are a fan of theirs, and they are big supporters of us. Anthony says this. As for Crusade, the biggest complaint I have is that it's so uh, effing wordy. (laughs) Starlin wrote 500 words where 50 would have worked. Amen. And his concepts were so heady and over-intellectual that I couldn't figure out what the goddess wanted. Like, I guess she's good and religious, but what's the point? Anyway, that's my takeaway. It's the Matrix revolutions of the event. A weird ending that, that detracts from the awesomeness of the original. I think you summarized our thoughts fairly well. And congratulations on becoming a dad. Yes, congratulations, Anthony, on the baby. Um, (laughs) Get back to your show soon, though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, we have a rating system if this is the first time you're listening to us. One to three is ban it. Ban it from Marvel Cannon. Get rid of it. Burn it. Throw it out the door. Never reference it again. Four to seven is borrow it. Find a way to read it. Use the Marvel Unlimited app. Get Hoopla and read it from the library or go to the library or borrow it from somebody. And eight to ten is buy it, own it, put it in your collection, put it in your long box, frame it, whatever you want to do with it, but own it. What do you think of this one? God, it's kind of hard to... Like, at least in the other ones, there's some redeeming stuff in there. But in this one, I just... When I went through the second time to read it, it was so hard to slog through. Like, I'm going to go like three and a half. <laughs> Whoa. I, yeah. Like, Hey-o. I mean, it's, yeah, 
it's well known enough that I guess you kind of have to read it, but I mean, nothing really changes. So I don't think it's really going to affect you if you want to skip this one. When I was reading this, I got through the first three issues and I thought to myself, this is going to be the first thing that I've read that I'm going to say, burn it and get rid of it, ban it from Marvel canon. I was so adamant about giving this below three. And then four, five, and six happened. It didn't redeem the series, but at least made me go, okay, you probably shouldn't ban it from Marvel canon. There are some interesting things that kind of happen with Warlock and Thanos and sets up some things for them, but everything else is pointless and moot. So I probably land at uh, 4.5 on it. At least that's that's my take on it. Uh, I think this is one of the few rare instances where we've rated anything below five. So I think that's very telling on how we feel. I do think issue five is the standout issue. And if that's the only thing that you ever read, you probably have a high opinion of this series, but you, you probably didn't read the rest. So just read issue five and then all of the Warlock infinity watch stuff that goes around it. And you'll have a good gist of what happened. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be better writing, even though it's the same person. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, next week we're going to be covering X-Men blood ties. We're going to be talking Uncanny X-Men 305 to 307. It's an Avengers crossover, so we've got some Avengers issues tied in there, and then X-Men 26. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of our second opinion piece, please visit marvelmythos.com for a full list of upcoming episodes. We try and keep it updated for about two months out. And if you see anything on there that you want to contribute to, please reach out to me at marvelmythospodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at marvel underscore mythos or on Twitter at marvelmythospod. And if you love the show, like the show, please go and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, ready? All right, guys. Liz here. I have another PSA for you. If you see a woman walking alone at night in the middle of the city, your response to her should not be, hey, baby, do you need a ride? Don't be that asshole. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I thought you'd know it was me. It was you. (laughs) I was actually, it happened last night while I was texting you, and I almost called you for my safety.